Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. Well, I am excited to be with you today on Father's Day, you know, for a couple of reasons, none other than the first one, of course, is I was reminded this morning that I am celebrating my 20th Father's Day today. So that's pretty exciting, right? However, what's even greater is my dad is celebrating his 52nd Father's Day because my brother who's older than me is 52. Don't worry about, I'm like 10 years, 12 years younger than he is. But I'm kidding, so two years younger. So, but happy Father's Day to you guys. Can we just give one more round of applause to all the fathers here in the church, the fathers in the overflow, and the fathers that are out in the patio, and even all the fathers that are online right now. I am really excited because Father's Day is a day that we can even use improper English words and say it's the funnest. It should be the funnest day of the year, right? But also because we get to just have some fun. We get to have some fun, but I am proud of you fathers because you know what? If you're a father and you're here, that's awesome because it's the day that you could choose anything you want to do and you chose right. You chose wisely and you brought your family to church. That is awesome and you should be, you should be commended. Well, you know, when I think about Father's Day, I must say that I am grateful. I am grateful. I'm grateful for my father. My father is here today. You know, my father, he modeled for me when I was young. He modeled for me what a good father does. My dad, he was always there. I remember my dad picking me up from school. He was always taking me to practices, always being at my games. He was always present, which I think is, is we'll talk about that in a second. But also, my father has been in the ministry for a long time. I am privileged that at the young age of eight years old, I accepted Christ at the message that my father was speaking. It was on a Wednesday night. And when I was 13, I was baptized by my father. Now, he wasn't at Hawaiian Falls, but it was in the baptistry at our church. But so, so much of the foundation that I have spiritually, so much that I know about life was modeled through my dad. And for that, I am extremely grateful. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Yes. Yes. Now then, I get that that's not everybody's story. I get that some of you might be sitting here today just thinking like, today is stupid. I don't like my dad. My dad was gone. Divorce took my dad away or a tragedy took my dad away. My dad passed before I was ready for him to go. Whatever that may be, you may have an absent father. You may have a father that's gone. Or you, know, you may even be a father here today and you may have prematurely, you've lost a child. I get that. I get that not all of our stories are the same. I totally understand that. But you know what? Whether or not your situation, your story is like mine, or whether it's something horrible or it's something in between, there's a common thread that holds us all together. And that is that none of our dads are perfect. Not mine, not yours, not me as a father, not not you as a father, none of us are perfect. As a matter of fact, I think some of you might even be struggling today because you're thinking like, I don't measure up. 
I'm expected to be cool. I'm expected to be strong. I'm expected to provide financially. I'm expected to have all the answers. I'm expected to be, have all this wisdom. And when people come to me, I'm supposed to know all this stuff. Well, you know what I did last night to show you just how hard it is? Before, I, of course, when you know, I was speaking, I was getting ready to go to bed. And my wife was like, what are you going to wear tomorrow? I don't know. It's not tomorrow. Right? <laughs> so we started pulling things out. And what did I do? I put on a outfit or I'd say outfit jeans and a shirt right and I march upstairs to where my kids are say hey how does this look they're like well I think it's good well what do you mean well I don't know I might do something but you know what it looks like a dad (laughs) that looks like a dad so I'm like okay so we all struggle we all struggle in different ways right I get it and you might be sitting here thinking I love my family or I don't love my family or whatever it is but you may be feeling right now but I don't feel adequate I don't feel equipped I don't feel like I can be successful. A lot of us feel that way. But today, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about the perfect dad. I want to talk to you about the perfect dad. Because the perfect dad is our heavenly father. And I think that so many times we get so busy. And one of the most common attacks that we have as Christian men also in women, but I'm going to say Christian men, is that we get so much stuff going through our head about what we need to do, what's going to satisfy us, how we're going to win, how we're going to achieve, that we take on Christianity the same way and say, what do I got to do? What do I got to do to please God? What do I got to do to be a good Christian? That we miss this point about him being our father. It is the equivalent of you being saved or accepting salvation in your head, but not in your heart. And that's what I want to take you through that transition today. I want you to leave here today being a Christian. Being a Christian and knowing you're a Christian, not just thinking on how to be a Christian. J.I. Packer wrote a book called Knowing God. And he put it this way. What a Christian, or what is a Christian? The richest answer I know is a Christian is one who has God as father. If you want to know how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and God as his father. If this is not the prompt or the thought that controls his worship and his prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Wow. In other words... In other words, to the extent that you grasp God as father is the extent that you grasp Christianity. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Well, let's think about what did Jesus tell us? What did Jesus tell us? You know, we, you think about when Jesus came into this world, right? One of the, one of the most famous things, one of the most common, popular things Jesus taught us was what? The Lord's Prayer. Well, in Matthew, it won't be on the screen, but Matthew chapter six, Jesus lays this out in in verses seven through nine. And what does Jesus say about God the Father? Jesus says, before he says anything, he says, look, don't heap these meaningless phrases and say these worthless things when you pray. No, this is how you pray. You approach God with our Father. Hallowed be your name. That may not seem significant to you, but at the time, think about it. For hundreds, hundreds of years, 
These people would look at Jesus and probably say, we've been praying for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. We know it. We know these prayers. We know how to do these sacrifices. We know how to do all these things. But Jesus is turning it on its head and saying, you're coming to God as a judge. You're coming to God as an arbitrator. You're coming to God as creator. And I'm trying to tell you to come to God as your father. And for the very first time, Jesus is saying that God is your father. As a matter of fact, right after that, he says, and your father knows what you need before you ask. What greater definition of a dad than that, right? It's like, okay, daddy, you know I really want the ice cream, but I'm going to have to tell you I want the ice cream. That's a big deal for us, by the way. Every night it's like, you know, oh, you know, I bet Jonah wants some ice cream. And they're like, dad, we know you want the ice cream, right? But anyway, <laughs> but Jesus came on the scene to turn this upside down. Interestingly enough, Interestingly, this is a huge, interestingly enough, in the Old Testament, God is mentioned as father 15 times. And of those 15 times, not one of them are we told to pray to God as father in the Old Testament. But just in the four gospels alone, in the four gospels alone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see God mentioned as father a hundred and 65 times. And of those 165 times, 164 of those times, Jesus is talking to his disciples about God. This is huge because the whole reason Jesus came to this world, yes, was to save us, to offer salvation, to die on the cross, to raise from the dead, to conquer death and save us from our sins. But he was doing that as what? As the son of God the father. And so the very first time in history, Jesus is saying, look, you've got to come to God as father because he's saying that is the picture of the relationship God wants with all of humanity. This picture is that you can only know the father through Jesus. Jesus makes a relationship with God as father possible. Jesus models the father. He says, if you see me, you've seen the father. And you know what? We're asked to do the same. We are asked to model the Father. Now think about that in our terms. Wouldn't that be a little scary? Someone, your kids say, hey, you know, if Landry steps up or Jonas steps up or Catherine says, hey, you've seen me, you've seen my dad. How would you like for your kids to walk around? <laughs> I would love it because I will fight you because I got the best kids in the world. My kids are the best three kids you're ever, ever, ever going to meet. I love them. I wouldn't trade them. And I am extremely blessed for them. As a matter of fact, I think Jonah and Landry are my favorite. <laughs> I've got to say that because Catherine was called, I said Catherine was my favorite in the last service. So I'm just making sure they all know they're my favorite. But with this emphasis on God as father, I want to walk through three truths, three truths that are perfect heavenly father wants you to know today. First is our perfect heavenly father establishes my worth. He establishes my worth. There's nothing, think about it this way, there's nothing my kids, there's nothing my kids can do today to make me love them more. From the moment they were born, their value and their worth were established with me. Just the fact that they were born, just the fact that I was like, I love these kids, I will do anything for these kids, I will protect, I will provide. I will love them. And there's nothing they could do from the moment they were born to now 
to say, to make my love grow more. I love them just because they were born. I love them because of who they are. And no one can decrease that value. No one can. Let me put it to this way. I need another volunteer. We just had a fun game. I need a dad that's brave enough to come up here and volunteer with me. Can I get one dad? Come on, this is, I promise you won't be hurt. Jason, yes, come on. Thank you for being brave. Let's give it up for Jason. Jason is a brave soul. He's coming up. I need you to come all the way up on stage. I want you to come all the way up on stage. And as Jason's coming up, I want everybody to know I've got right here a crisp, clean, $100 bill. Yes. Suckers. Yes. <laughs> a crisp, clean, $100 bill. You like that? I do. Would you take it? Absolutely. You would take it. What if I did this to it? What if I crumbled it up? Would you still take it? What if I threw it on the ground and I stepped on it like this and, and I do that? You'd still take it? What if I talked badly about like stupid hundred dollar bill? You're not a thousand dollars. As a matter of fact, a million dollars. You're not just, you're, you think how small you are compared to a million dollars. The last I checked, I think you're like some cotton and some other little things and you really, you're just some paper. And I just don't understand why people like you. A hundred dollars, that's not like the most amount of money. Would you still take it? Oh yeah. Even though I talked bad about Absolutely. it? You know, this is a silly hundred dollar bill. I mean, come on, it's paper. You'd still take it. Yes. Why? What's it, worth, what's it worth to you? It's worth a hundred dollars. Even though it was crumbled? <laughs> Even though it was talked poorly about? They'll take it at the taco place. <laughs> Excellent. Well, happy Father's Day, Jason. Let's give it up for Jason. Yes. Yes. And that is the picture God's saying about you. You can be crumbled. You can be trampled. People go talk badly about you. You can have a poor circumstance. But it doesn't change your worth in him. It doesn't change your worth in him at all. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. 8 to 10, it says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. I think what the scripture is saying is turn off mainstream media. I'm just kidding. I don't want to go there. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You are made complete through your union with Christ. You are made complete through your union with Christ. That means that our worth and our value are not determined by our culture. Why? Because Christ is the final authority. Your, our worth and our value are not set or determined by our success or failures. Why? Because Christ is the final authority. Our worth and our value are not set by what people say. Why? Because Christ is our final authority. Our worth and our value are not set by our past, by our pain, by our sickness. Why? I've told you three times. Because <laughs> Christ is our final authority. In our society, we tend to get excited sort of after something's been achieved. Think about it, right? We celebrate victories. We celebrate sporting events when people win. We celebrate graduations. We celebrate so many things after the fact. That is what our culture has taught us, they've conditioned us to tie love, affection, and admiration um, to an achievement. That's, that's what we think, right? I will praise you when you do something good. 
I'll praise you when you achieve something. I'll praise you when you outdo somebody or when you re reach a goal. But here is what we know about God the Father. His love, a father's love, is not conditional. There is no if-then statement. He's not saying, if you do this, then I'll love you. There is no if-then statement. It is unconditional. And God proves this over and over again in his timing. I want you to notice this. God shows us the perfect picture of this unconditional love. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, Jesus is going to be baptized, right? And I want you to notice when God said he's well pleased with Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. God the Father is saying to the entire world that he is well pleased with Jesus before Jesus begins his ministry. At this point in time, as far as we know, Jesus hasn't preached. Jesus hasn't healed the sick. Jesus hasn't gone and declared anything to anybody. The only thing we know about Jesus is he grew up and he went to be baptized, right? And God the Father is modeling this for us right now, saying, I am well pleased in my son. He has not fulfilled his purpose. He has not started his assignment. He has not achieved what he's supposed to achieve, but I am well pleased in him. So that's what's different about God. God is telling you when you fail, when you think you're not ready, when you think you're not adequate, when you give in to temptation, you might be shunned by our culture and by the world because our culture teaches us to offer conditional love and acceptance. But God still says, God our Father still says, this is my son, this is my daughter, with whom I unconditionally love. And there's nothing, nothing you can do to make me be more pleased with you. And some of you need to understand that today. You need to understand what God is telling you. One of the best moments for me, one of the best father-son moments for me is when I hear from my children, mainly uh, my boys, whether they even, whether they text me or tell me or call me and I hear, Dad, I need to talk to you. Dad, can you, can you come to my room? And the reason that's a big moment for me because it takes me back to when, each, when both of them were, when each of them were 12, around 12 years old, we made it a purpose to go away and talk about life. Yes, we talked about sex. Yes, we talked about a lot of things. But the one thing that, that I wanted to make sure that they knew is I know that life's going to be tough. I know there's going to be a lot of things come at you. I know that you're going to feel pressure and I know you're not perfect. But the one thing I want you to know is that if you ever fail, I want you to call me. Because I know that with all this temptation out there, and dads, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot out there. Just think about the phone, right? We refer to that as porn in a pocket. You can dial it up so easily these days. You're silly if you think that your kid's not exposed to that, right? But I tell my boys, the last thing I want you to do is to go into a shell and hide because of shame. The last thing I want you to do is to go to somebody else. 
I want you to come to me and I want us to talk about it because just because you failed doesn't mean I don't love you. There is nothing you can do to ever make me not love you. You know, religion says I messed up. God is going to punish me. But the gospel says I messed up. I need to call my father. And that's the relationship that God the Father wants with you. So stop beating yourself up. Stop trying to perform for him. He accepts you as you are. He establishes your worth. End of story, period. You know, the second thing I want you to know is our perfect heavenly father, he shows his love. This is powerful. He shows his love. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See... See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. <clears throat> and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So my question to you today, how do your kids see your love? How is your love for them obvious? You know, I've realized being a father to, to my three children that more things are caught than taught. Let me explain this this way. There's two things. Two things that, that I can tell you that, that I like a lot. One of them is nachos. And the other one is I love, I'm fascinated with photography. You know, I have never sat down to teach my kids, give them a list or show or tell them, this is how you make nachos. You do it this way, in this order. No, that has never happened. But through observation, my youngest, Jonah, has become a Picasso <laughs> at making nachos. If you ever want nachos, you need to have Jonah make you nachos, because they are not just tasty. I mean, he has them looking pretty. And he just got it down. And that was not anything that he was taught. It was just something he caught. When I think about photography, I think, you know, I got into photography, you know, several years ago and, you know, just, just uh, as an enthusiast and loved it as a hobby and got into it more and more and more. And, and, you know, to the point where we'd go on vacations and read the eye rolls from Kim and the kids where it's like, oh, where's dad? Oh, he's way back there taking this picture and, you know, whatever. Right. And just big inconvenience. Well, I've never sat down with Catherine or Landry to say, let me walk you through the camera. Let me teach you what you do. Let me, let me show you these settings and show you these things. But one day, notice my camera's gone because they're taking pictures, right? I've never set them down, but they do observation. And both of them get into photography and they do their own things with it. And now we just have talks, we compare, we, we, we chat, but I've never sat down and said, let me teach you. They just caught it. They caught how to do that. Now, on the contrary, I've set all my kids down they tell me if they were like eight or something, still too young to teach them about investing in the stock market. <laughs> and I tried to get them interested in software development and learn that coding language because I think everybody someday needs to know how to do that, right? Those things haven't stuck because I try to teach them that, right? But no, but, but those are things that are caught and you can teach a lot of things. You can teach a lot of things in life, but there's one thing you can't teach and that is being present. Being present. You're either available or you're not. The greatest gift that I can give my kids while they're here is my presence. Not my gifts and presence, but presence. Presence makes the greatest impact. Love is seen by you being present. 
And let me tell you, let me encourage you dads, especially you dads, and moms just goes for you too, but especially you dads, learn to be the one that says, I love you. This is life-changing. I can tell you, I can remember my parents telling me that they love me. At the time, I thought, no big deal. But over time, it becomes a big deal. I can tell you that to seed that plants. Be the one to demonstrate love, gratitude, and compassion. Verbalize, I love you. Verbalize, I'm sorry. Verbalize, I want to understand what you're going through. There is a lot of influence in this, in this world, and you can do what they call a defensive strategy or an offensive strategy. A defensive strategy says, through my willpower and through my control and through my rules, I'm going to set all these things up so we don't fall to temptation, that we don't give in to culture and blah, blah, blah. But you could put blocks on channels. You could say, I'm not going to subscribe to cable TV. You could say whatever you want to do. And those are all defensive measures. And that's fine. Not talking against that. But I want to encourage you to employ an offensive strategy. You want to employ an offensive strategy to make sure your kids know you love them. That love is going to be the greatest the greatest defense against any attack the world has because when they realize that you love them and they realize that they're loved by the Father, then the evil of this world will have no bearing on them. So what's an offensive strategy? Let me give you a couple of things. An offensive strategy, laugh if you will, but demonstrate love by men. Flirt with your wife in front of your kids. It's going to make them uncomfortable. Catherine literally grosses out. But I know it's good for her to see that. Flirt with your wife in front of your kids. Openly pray. Don't be weird about it. Openly pray. Those are two incredible offensive strategies that will make your kids realize that you love them. Yes, the greatest way to know your kids love them is to love your wife. And this is also something I learned about our perfect heavenly father is that he is always present. God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere all the time. So if he's everywhere all the time, how do we see his love? How is his love obvious for us? When this scripture says, see the love that God has lavished on you, right? What we're saying here is you see his love when you connect with him, communicating with him, meditating on him, being observant enough to catch what he is doing. You see, if you're going to be relying completely upon being taught about God and not being caught by what he's doing, you're going to miss a whole lot. And the way you catch things from God is you be observant. His word says he's standing at the door. He's knocking. He wants to come in, but he's not going to force his way. You've got to let him in. The third truth that God, our perfect heavenly father, wants you to know today is he calls me his child. God knows each child. God knows each child. God's a perfect dad. He's a dad that has convinced every child better than I have today that they're his favorite. He's perfect. He knows each child. And because of this, I can confidently claim that I am a child of God. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Wow, this is transformational. 
This is a transformational moment for you to accept your sonship. I guess these days I gotta say your daughtership too, in Christ, right? It's transformational for you to move from a knowledge in your head that you are saved to a position in your heart that you're his son, that you're his daughter. I love how Louis Giglio put it. Louis Giglio put it this way. He said, the payoff of salvation is not I'm going to heaven. The payoff of salvation is I have a father and my father just happens to own heaven. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? Salvation is not a ticket to a destination. Salvation is a magnification, a proclamation, a declaration that you have a father that loves you beyond anything and anyone could ever imagine. That is the power and the payoff of salvation. You know, the scripture refers to the word Abba. The word Abba is a word for father, but it's not really father. This word was so significant that it was never translated to Greek. They just left it. It was a term of endearment. It's a term of intimacy. It's a term of respect. It's a term of relationship. The best English translation that we have to this Aramaic word of Abba is daddy. Is daddy. Why is that powerful? Because Jesus says that is what God the Father is like. Jesus says God is like that. He's like daddy. You can approach him as daddy. And that's different than any other way of prayer the world had ever seen before. Think about it. Up until that point, it was all about performance. We're going to do these things so that we can get right with God. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, change your language because he's not those things only, but even greater so, he's your daddy. He's your daddy. So when Jesus was saying to pray and say, don't say these worthless phrases, don't say these things of just go to him as daddy. Think about the difference between talking to your professor and talking to your daddy. There's a huge, huge difference. So it's not about the mechanics of prayer that's really important. It's just simply knowing who God is. And that's what's important. You know, John Wesley made a profound statement. And here's what I know about John Wesley. I don't know a whole lot, but I'll tell you what I know about John Wesley. He's an incredible theologian, influenced a lot of theology that we have today. He is a co-founder of the Methodist Church in England. He gave, served, and studied more than most others. I mean, if you look at his life, it was model. His model, I mean, he gave away so much. He was a preacher. He preached a lot. He gave a lot. He served a lot. He actually was a missionary for a while. And after spending several years as a missionary, he was sailing back to his home in England. And on this trip back, he wrote in his journal that he still had not yet become a Christian. Which is weird because he's a theologian, he's a preacher. He gave away, he did everything you think a Christian should do. Here's what he said. He said, I went to America to convert others, but was never myself converted to God. I had a faith of a servant, but not that of a son. See, God is not asking you to be his servant. 
He's asking you to be his child. There's a huge, huge difference in the two. Wesley did everything out of obligation to God as a servant instead of out of intimacy with God as a son. You see, serving and giving, those are byproducts of being a loved son and daughter of God. And on the contrary, some of you may not be serving and giving because you haven't fully grasped the fact that you are a loved son and daughter of God. You know, I'm gonna say it this way, and I'm gonna say, I know, I know the heart of our pastoral staff here at Creekwood, so just know that when I say this, is that the reality is you can serve on serve day. You can serve in any of the ministries, and critters and kids and youth and parking. You can give to our Beyond campaign. You can give to our generosity project. You can even tithe. You can do all that and still miss the whole point of Christianity if you do it out of obligation and performance, out of something to prove. You see, Christianity was never meant to be a religion. It's always meant to be a relationship. He is not just God, the judge, the creator. He is those things. But even more so, he is God, the father, our intimate, strong daddy. You know, something else I've learned about Abba, as the scripture points out that we just read is, we no longer have to walk in fear of our past or a fear of our measuring up. Why is that? Because we have somebody to go to. Think about that just as a child doesn't have all the answers, but runs to their father because they look at their father as the strongest, most intimate, most, most um, their biggest advocate. That's what God wants us to do with him. While our past and our pain and our sickness, our failures, they're very real. I don't want to dismiss them. They are all very real, but they do not define us. We are his children. And he longs for you to enter into an intimate relationship with him as father so that he can restore and heal. That's the perfect father. That's our perfect heavenly father. So as we close, I just got a couple questions for you. What is your response to our perfect heavenly father today? Is it that you need his help accepting your worth in him? or recognizing his love, or accepting your sonship and daughtership in him. As an earthly father, are you modeling what our perfect heavenly father has done? Do you know, do you love your kids unconditionally? Have you even thought about that? Do you demonstrate your love for them? Do you pride yourself in them simply being your children? You know, what do you need? from Abba today. Jesus tells us in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven, he says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how you to give good gifts to your children, this is an awesome phrase, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What do you need from Abba today? Do you need a door opened? Do you need a healing? Do you need a change of mindset? 
need a provision? Jesus says, just ask. It's such a small step with a big payoff. Jesus tells us that we as sinful, earthly parents know how to give our kids good things. And then he introduces us to the how much more God, the how much more Father. So I just ask you today, what do you need from Abba, the perfect heavenly Father, the how much more God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our perfect Father, I just wanna thank you today. I wanna thank you for you, God, just your plan, your, your desire to wanna to have an intimate relationship with each of us. Father, I know that there's people here that have never ever received Jesus as their savior. And right now, God, I pray for you to speak to them, to draw them in. And I pray for this to be that day. I also know, God, that there's many needs across this place of broken relationships with father, with earthly fathers, of broken relationships with, with sons and daughters, with, with needs of provision, needs of healing, needs of, of, of healing wounds from broken paths. But of everything today, your word says to ask, and right now, God, what I ask is that all the needs in this room today, from salvation to deliverance to reconciliation, all be manifested in a tremendous story that glorifies you in the lives of each person here. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.